Chapter 9 of France and England in North America, Part 3 La Salle, Discovery of the Great West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West by Francis Parkman, Jr. Chapter 9, 1678-1679 La Salle at Niagara father louis hennepin his past life his character embarkation niagara falls indian jealousy la motte and the Senecas, a disaster la salle and his followers hennepin was all eagerness to follow in the adventure and to his great satisfaction la salle gave him a letter from his provincial father la fave containing the coveted permission whereupon to prepare himself he went into retreat at the Recollet convent of quebec where he remained for a time in such prayer and meditation as his nature the reverse of spiritual would permit frontenac always partial to his order then invited him to dine at the chateau and having visited the bishop and asked his blessing he went down to the lower town and embarked his vessel was a small birch canoe paddled by two men with sandaled feet a coarse gray capot and peaked hood the cord of st francis about his waist and a rosary and crucifix hanging at his side the father set forth on his memorable journey he carried with him the furniture of a portable altar which in time of need he could strap on his back like a knapsack he slowly made his way up the st lawrence stopping here and there where a clearing and a few log houses marked the feeble beginning of a parish and seniori the settlers though good catholics were too few and too poor to support a priest and hailed the arrival of the friar with delight he said mass exhorted a little as was his custom and on one occasion baptized a child at length he reached montreal where the enemies of the enterprise enticed away his two canoemen he succeeded in finding two others with whom he continued his voyage passed the rapids of the upper st lawrence and reached fort frontenac at eleven o'clock at night on the second of november where his brethren of the mission rebord and Bozette, received him with open arms la motte with most of the men appeared on the eighth but la salle and tonte did not arrive till more than a month later meanwhile in pursuance of his orders fifteen men set out in canoes for lake michigan and the illinois to trade with the indians and collect provisions while la motte embarked in a small vessel for niagara accompanied by hennepin this bold hardy and adventurous friar the historian of the expedition and a conspicuous actor in it has unwittingly painted his own portrait with tolerable distinctness i always he says felt a strong inclination to fly from the world and live according to the rules of a pure and severe virtue and it was this view that i entered the order of st francis he then speaks of his zeal for the saving of souls but admits that a passion for travel and a burning desire to visit strange lands had no small part in his inclination for the missions being in a convent in artois his superior sent him to calais at the season of the herring fishery to beg alms after the practice of the franciscans here and at dunkirk he made friends of the sailors and was never tired of their stories so insatiable indeed was his appetite for them that often he says i hid myself behind tavern doors 
while the sailors were telling of their voyages the tobacco smoke made me very sick at the stomach but notwithstanding i listened attentively to all they said about their adventures at sea and their travels in distant countries i could have passed whole days and nights in this way without eating he presently set out on a roving mission through holland and he recounts various mishaps which befell him in consequence of my zeal in labouring for the saving of souls i was at the bloody fight of senef he pursues where so many perished by fire and sword and where i had abundance of work in comforting and consoling the poor wounded soldiers after undergoing great fatigues and running extreme danger in the sieges of towns in the trenches and in battles where i exposed myself freely for the salvation of others while the soldiers were breathing nothing but blood and carnage i found myself at last in a way of satisfying my old inclination for travel he got leave from his superiors to go to canada the most adventurous of all the missions and accordingly sailed in sixteen seventy five in the ship which carried la salle which had just obtained the grant of fort frontenac in the course of the voyage he took it upon himself to reprove a party of girls who were amusing themselves and a circle of officers and other passengers by dancing on deck la salle who was among the spectators was annoyed at hennepin's interference and told him that he was behaving like a pedagogue the friar retorted by alluding unconsciously as he says to the circumstance that la salle was once a pedagogue himself having according to hennepin been for ten or twelve years teachers of a class in a jesuit school la salle he adds turned pale with rage and never forgave him to his dying day but always maligned and persecuted him on arriving in canada he was sent up to fort frontenac as a missionary that wild and remote post was greatly to his liking he planted a gigantic cross superintended the building of a chapel for himself and his colleague Bousset, and instructed the iroquois colonists of the place he visited too the neighboring indian settlements paddling his canoe in summer when the lake was open and journeying in winter on snowshoes with a blanket slung at his back his most noteworthy journey was one which he made in the winter apparently of sixteen seventy seven with a soldier of the fort they crossed the eastern extremity of lake ontario on snowshoes and pushed southward through the forest towards onondaga stopping at evening to dig away the snow which was several feet deep and collect wood for their fire which they were forced to replenish repeatedly during the night to keep themselves from freezing at length they reached the great onondaga town where the indians were much amazed at their hardihood thence they proceeded eastward to the oneidas and afterwards to the mohawks who regaled them with small frogs pounded up with a porridge of indian corn here hennepin found the jesuit Bruyas, who permitted him to copy a dictionary of the mohawk language which he had compiled and here he presently met three dutchmen who urged him to visit the neighboring settlement of orange or albany an invitation which he seems to have declined they were pleased with him he says because he spoke dutch bidding them farewell he tied on his snowshoes again and returned with his companion to fort frontenac thus he ignored himself to the hardships of the woods and prepared for the execution of the grand plan of discovery which he calls his own an enterprise to borrow his own terms capable of terrifying anybody but me 
when the later editions of his book appeared doubts had been expressed of its veracity i here protest to you before god he writes addressing the reader that my narrative is faithful and sincere and that you may believe everything related in it and yet as we shall see this reverend father was the most impotent of liars and the narrative which he speaks is a rare monument of brazen mendacity hennepin however had seen and dared much for among his many failings fear had no part and where his vanity or his spite were not involved he often told the truth his books had their value with all their enormous fabrications la motte and hennepin with sixteen men went on board the little vessel of ten tons which lay at fort frontenac the friar's two brethren Bousset and ribord threw their arms around his neck as they bade him farewell while his indian proselytes learned whither he was bound stood with their hands pressed upon their mouths in amazement at the perils which awaited their ghostly instructor la salle with the rest of the party was to follow as soon as he could finish his preparations it was a boisterous and gusty day the eighteenth of november the sails were spread the shore receded the stone walls of the fort the huge cross that the fire had reared the wigwams the settlers cabins the group of staring indians on the strand the lake was rough and the men crowded in so small a craft grew nervous and uneasy they hugged the northern shore to escape the fury of the wind which blew savagely from the northeast while the long gray sweep of naked forests on their right betokened that winter was fast closing in on the twenty sixth they reached the neighborhood of the indian town of tyagagon not far from toronto and ran their vessel for safety into the mouth of a river probably the humber where the ice closed about her and they were forced to cut her out with axes on the fifth of december they attempted to cross to the mouth of the niagara but darkness overtook them and they spent a comfortless night tossing on the troubled lake five or six miles from shore in the morning they entered the mouth of the niagara and landed on the point at its eastern side where now stand the historic ramparts of fort niagara here they found a small village of senecas attracted hither by the fisheries who gazed with curious eyes at the vessel and listened in wonder as the voyagers sang te deum in gratitude for their safe arrival hennepin with several others now ascended the river in a canoe to the foot of the mountain ridge of lewiston which stretching on the right hand and on the left forms the acclivity of a vast plateau rent with a mighty chasm along which from this point to the cataract seven miles above rush with the fury of an alpine torrent the gathered waters of four inland oceans to urge the canoe farther was impossible he landed with his companions on the west bank near the foot of that part of the ridge now called queenston heights climbed the steep ascent and pushed through the wintry forest on a tour of exploration on his left sank the cliffs the furious river raging below till at length in primeval solitudes unprofaned as yet by the pettiness of man the imperial cataract burst upon his sight the explorers passed three miles beyond it and encamped for the night on the banks of chippewa creek scraping away the snow which was a foot deep in order to kindle a fire in the morning they retraced their steps startling a number of deer and wild turkeys on their way and rejoined their companions at the mouth of the river la motte now began the building of a fortified house some two leagues above the mouth of the niagara 
hot water was used to soften the frozen ground but frost was not the only obstacle the senecas of the neighbouring village betrayed a sullen jealousy at a design which indeed boded them no good niagara was the key to the four great lakes above and whoever held possession of it could in no small measure control the fur trade of the interior occupied by the french it would in time of peace intercept the trade which the iroquois carried on between the western indians and the dutch and english at albany and in time of war threaten them with serious danger la motte saw the necessity of conciliating these formidable neighbors and if possible cajoling them to give their consent to the plan la salle indeed had instructed him to that effect he resolved on a journey to the great village of the senecas and called on hennepin who was busied in building a bark chapel for himself to accompany him they accordingly set out with several men well armed and equipped and bearing at their backs presents of very considerable value the village was beyond the genesee southeast of the site of rochester after a march of five days they reached it on the last day of december they were conducted to the lodge of the great chief where they were beset by a staring crowd of women and children two jesuits raffiix and julian garnier were in the village and their presence boded no good for the embassy la motte who seems to have had little love for priests of any kind was greatly annoyed at seeing them and when the chiefs assembled to hear what he had to say he insisted that the two fathers should leave the council house at this hennepin out of respect for his cloth thought it befitting that he should retire also the chiefs forty-two in number squatted on the ground arrayed in ceremonial robes of beaver wolf or black squirrel skin the senators of venice writes hennepin do not look more grave or speak more deliberately than the councillors of the iroquois la motte's interpreter harangued the attentive conclave placed gift after gift at their feet coats scarlet cloth hatchets knives and beads and used all his eloquence to persuade them that the building of a fort on the banks of the niagara and a vessel on lake erie were measures vital to their interests they gladly took the gifts but answered the interpreter's speech with evasive generalities and having been entertained with the burning of an indian prisoner the discomfited embassy returned half famished to niagara meanwhile la salle and tonte were on their way from fort frontenac with men and supplies to join la motte and his advance party they were in a small vessel with a pilot either unskilful or treacherous on christmas eve he was near wrecking them off the bay of quinte on the next day they crossed to the mouth of the genesee and la salle after some delay proceeded to the neighboring town of the senecas where he appears to have arrived just after the departure of la motte and hennepin he too called them to a council and tried to soothe the extreme jealousy with which they regarded his proceedings i told them my plan he says and gave the best pretext i could and i succeeded in my attempt more fortunate than la motte he persuaded them to consent to his carrying arms and ammunition by the niagara portage building a vessel above the cataract and establishing a fortified warehouse at the mouth of the river this success was followed by a calamity la salle had gone up the niagara to find a suitable place for a shipyard when he learned that the pilot in charge of the vessel he had left had disobeyed his orders 
and end it by wrecking it on the coast little was saved except the anchors and cables destined for the new vessel to be built above the cataract this loss threw him into extreme perplexity and as hennepin says would have made anybody but him give up the enterprise the whole party were now gathered at the palisaded house which lamotte had built a little below the mountain ridge of lewiston they were a motley crew of french flemings and italians all mutually jealous la salle's enemies had tampered with some of the men and none of them seemed to have had much heart for the enterprise the fidelity even of lamotte was doubtful he served me very ill says la salle and messieurs de tonte and de la forest knew that he did his best to debauch all my men his health soon failed under the hardships of these winter journeyings and he returned to fort frontenac half blinded by an inflammation of the eyes la salle seldom happy in the choice of subordinates had perhaps in all his company but one man whom he could fully trust and this was tonte he and hennepin were on indifferent terms men thrown together in a rugged enterprise like this quickly learned to know each other and the vain and assuming friar was not likely to commend himself to la salle's brave and loyal lieutenant hennepin says that it was la salle's policy to govern through the dissensions of his followers and from whatever cause it is certain that those beneath him were rarely in perfect harmony End of chapter nine